going to lead up to our biggest event of the year. It's out on Family Faith Day. It's going to be held at Cody Park. And this is our biggest event of the year. You do not want to miss out, especially this year. Uh, it's a great time where we invite our community to come out. And we're going to have a great time of like face painting, uh, free Cody Park rides uh, on behalf of the church, a lot of free food. And my personal favorite, a great performance uh, by David Laughlin. Now, David Laughlin, this all leads up to the sermon, so don't tune out. David Laughlin is a Christian illusionist. Now, I know for some of us, we're thinking, yeah, this, this is going to be amazing. Some of us, that might strike a little thing like, oh, my goodness, are we bringing a magician into our community? Um, this is not magic. This is illusions, meaning what he does is just simply quicker than your eye. And that's all what it is. And here's, here's the thing. We're, you guys are going to see a video here towards the end of service, and you can go to davidlaughlin.com. Uh, he lays out the gospel in such a creative and amazing way. And it is, at least from what I have seen what the enemy likes to do, he does nothing to do to advance the kingdom of God. And David is so much for Jesus. And so many people have came to know Jesus Christ through his ministry. So please come down here. It's so cool. He's coming. Uh, I was talking on the phone with him a couple weeks ago, and he just, uh, I don't know if he meant, I don't think he meant to, but he was just kind of like, yeah, I'll be flying uh, to your church right after, you know, with Rick Warren's church and Joel Osteen's church as I'm doing up there. And I'll just pop down there, and I'm like, you can have time for like a little church like us. Oh yeah, for sure. And so this is an awesome privilege. He's given us a great deal on his ministry. He's coming down. And this will be great for all the family, all the friends. So invite, invite, invite. August 25th is Family Faith Day. And it's going to be a great time. And we have reorganized the whole event. A lot of us were used to our church in the park style. Uh, we're reorganizing where it's not a whole lot of setup and a lot of teardown. That was kind of a, a big thing we had to do. So we're going to try to make that as easy as possible. And all the volunteers said amen, right? So there you guys are at 6 in the morning until 7 at night, cleaning, do all that stuff. Um, this is going to be super easy, relaxed, uh, laid back, and it's going to be a great time to invite your neighbors. And this real series is going to lead up to this event. And after each message, what we're going to try to do, at least what we try to do with every message, is give you some very practical steps where uh, you can apply as soon as you walk out of our facility today. And so uh, as we begin here, please take some notes as we discuss on what being real Means, As I said, beginning, real is an acronym for each letter that we'll have a message on. Um, and to kind of kick this off, I'm going to kind of let you know, um, as just I think any leader in the community or just any guy that uh, enjoys his job, when you're on vacation, it seems like your job kind of follows, right? Kind of happens a lot. Uh, and so I will let you know, I didn't get into vacation mode until Sunday night we were driving home. I even told my wife, I'm like, man, we got to get back from vacation already. And you can tell her, like, I don't pout, but I was like, man pouting the whole way back home. I was like, not, I love my church, but I'm like, I just got in vacation mode. Anyone here kind of like that? Like it just starts getting good and you're like, yes. And like, oh, okay. But while we're up there, um, my wife and I, we always dream about the rock church. Like what, what is God up to? Like the, the big of, the big question of like, what if, what if Jesus did this? What if Jesus did that? And what if our, what if our church started doing this and uh, maybe stopped doing that? And we just kind of dreamt together. And we kind of had this big question is like, you know what? Like how many people attend our church on a monthly basis? And I don't know if you guys know this. I do this because this is part of my job. I, I study church trends and I study statistics. And a few years ago, about 10 years ago, actually, they talked about that a regular church attender attended three out of the four Sundays a month. That's what was considered a regular church attender. A couple years ago, they updated it, and it was from two to three, a regular church attender. Uh, about a year and a half ago, they updated it, and right now, a regular church attender considers himself uh, a regular church attender if they attend one Sunday a month. 
And so that's kind of the trends. It's the trends of my generation and the generation after us. And it kind of brings up this new question. It begs the question, how do we as a church engage our community? And really, it, it should compel us to start thinking out of the box on how we uh, reach our community to reach the next generation, raise up the youth really quick. Uh, they're not here today, but we actually took our first youth group trip yesterday to Elitch Gardens. We took about 10 kids. Can you guys give it up? Come on, that's good. So it's really, really great. Um, you guys are probably asking, where are the teenagers? It's because they didn't get home until 4 o'clock in the morning with our youth leaders that took them there, uh, and they are sleeping. So we let them sleep. Uh, but it was just a really, really great time. And so we, we're trying to think outside the box. How do we reach them? How do we be real with them? And so we, my wife and I, we did this kind of study on our way there, and we're trying to figure out how many people engage our church. And so we did a quick little look, and I don't usually do this, but a quick little look on like giving and a quick little look on who checks in their kids at Kids Rock downstairs and our new Kids Wing, which is awesome. And uh, we just want to see how many people call the Rock Church to home that they attend at least just, just one Sunday, one Sunday a month. A lot of you guys are regular attenders, but if you guys attend every Sunday, you'll know the crowd we have today might be a totally different crowd next week. And so we went and we checked off names, and we're still small off church. I was able to kind of remember faces a little bit. And we can uh, confidently say that we have roughly 150 people attend our church on a monthly basis. Can you guys give it up to God? Come on. Come on. Come on. That, that is good. Now, I know the only, now, some of us, we only attend one Sunday a month. I want to encourage you, grind it out, get to church on Sunday. Amen. And, uh, but we can confidently say about 150 people call the Rock Church their home. And so we didn't do that just for numbers sake, like I'm a numbers guy, but I, I really t want to transfer into the what ifs, meaning what if, imagine this with me, Rock Church, what if those 150 people, that includes you, what if you made it your goal for this next school year to reach one person for God? One person. Now, some of us are like, man, Vaughn, that's nothing. I'm like, I'm on my 10th person, and today's only Sunday. Like, good for you. Awesome. But majority of people, we don't reach anyone. And I'm not going to dog on you this morning, because I know there's plenty of life excuses. Uh, I'm a part of that group, too. I'm really trying to get to know my neighbors and invite them here. Um, people are inviting people to your community group. But it still begs the question. The question is still there. What if the 150 people that call the Rock Church their home, that engage on a monthly basis, what if they made a priority during the new school year to reach one person? Or if we want to be really great in the whole multiplication realm, one family. What if? Well, numerically, we can kind of do that, right? Like we reach them, 150 turns to 300, 300 turns to 600, 600 turns to 1,200, and pretty soon we're, we're doing fantastic. And that's a, a church on its A-plus game. I have yet to meet a church like that. I've heard of churches, um, great, great churches. But just what if you would just make it your personal goal? Like they don't even have to necessarily come to the Rock Church because we're united kingdomly with other churches. What if you just reach one person for Jesus? And I know for a fact, as soon as I said that, you have someone that came to your mind like, oh, that could be them. Well, why are we talking about this? We believe at the Rock Church that our faith is not a private thing. In fact, it's supposed to be a very public thing. And to be real with our community. And so we're just thinking, what if? 
What if we just made a priority leading up that we would invite someone? This is why we do series like this, leading them to family faith day, so we can invite someone. Uh, I mean, if you can do this with me, if you can pray for me, I'm actually going to try to be reaching my two neighbors, both of who are, are new to the community, and they got laid off from the railroad. They moved here for the railroad. Life hits again. And so they're kind of up and roared, but I, we've had the opportunity to reach them. And so if you can pray for me, that's, I'm, I'm going to be trying to reach my two neighbors for Family Faith Day. And I will do the same for you, that I will be praying for you as you try to reach someone for Family Faith Day. Because, because, church, we cannot forget the bigger goal of why we're here. Why are we a Christian? It's not because so that we can end up in heaven one day and not hell. Well, that's really good. But the biggest thing is we know that we have a purpose here and we want to fulfill God's plan in our community. And that is the plan of a rescue mission to reach people for Jesus. And so what if, what if we took this seriously and what if we reached people? And that's my prayer for us during this series that we begin to talk about this what ifs. And so I'm going to give you again practical tools on how to do this. So we're going to start today with the letter R, the letter R to help you answer that what if question. If you want to open your Bible or the Bible app or just look on the screens behind me, flip to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18. Uh, put your thumb there and then flip to John chapter 21, verses 2 through 3. Both of these books are in the New Testament, uh, Matthew being the first one, John being the fourth one. And uh, we can jump ahead where Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry uh, in the first chapter. And he just got done doing a huge fast and he beat the devil in his game of temptations. And now Jesus is going to find the right people to partner with in his ministry. And I want you to see who Jesus chose to go and partner with him in his life-saving ministry. Uh, these were his first disciples he chose to go with him, and, and I want you to see his first selection. I like to kind of think of things sometimes in football realm. This is kind of like the first draft pick for his football team. Now, you guys know anybody here that knows football, the first draft pick are the best of the best. They're the cream of the crop. They have the highest potential to make the biggest impact for that team to give them a winning season. This is Jesus choosing his first draft picks, and I love who he chooses. Look at what he says. This is what it says, Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, for those of you who went to Israel with me a couple years ago, we saw the Sea of Galilee. Really beautiful, wasn't it? It was amazing. You guys can go with me here in a couple years again. But Jesus is walking the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Now, these aren't just little podunk, like, let me throw my little closed reel, you know, little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing and throw it out there. Maybe hopefully I'll catch a little perch off the dock. No, these guys, they were commercial fishermen. If you can kind of think of what these guys may have looked like. Uh, anyone here watch Discovery Channel? Just a little bit of us. How many of you guys have seen, like, the Alaskan Crab Fisherman show? Have you guys seen that? Those rugged dudes, they're out there and they're fishing. They don't have the best of language sometimes. A little scruffy a little bit. They got calloused hands, smell like seafood, which tastes good, but the smell is not that great. Uh, this, is, this is them. This is them. And so Jesus says to them, he says, throwing a net in the water for they fish for a living. Verse 19, Jesus called out to them. And he said, hey, come follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. And I love this. Take note of this. It says, and they left their nets at once. Underline that if you can. At once and followed Jesus. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee. So some more commercial fishermen. They were repairing their nets. And he called to them too and he said, follow me. And verse 22 says, they immediately followed him. Underline that one. 
leaving the boat and their father behind. First of all, poor dad. The sons just left him for the whole family business, but they're following this guy named Jesus. And so what I love about this, Jesus, for whatever reason, decided the best people for his ministry was not the students who were in the temple learning the Bible, uh, learning the Hebrew faith. It wasn't the priests who already had years of experience of preaching and debating their faith and memorized the entire Torah, but it was these guys who fished for a living. These guys who fished for a living. And not only these four fishermen, but if you turn to John chapter 21, 2 through 3, I want to show you that a light bulb went off in my head, and I kind of hope it goes off in your mind as well. But Jesus actually had more fishermen in his crew than I realized. Check this out. The verse is after Jesus' resurrection, and he's going to do appearances with his disciples, but it seems the disciples were still a little bit as confused as what to do. And so this is what it says. It says, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples, beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples, Simon Peter, and he said, I'm going fishing, and they all said, we're coming with you too. Why is that important? Because Simon's saying, do you know what? Uh, Jesus is going somewhere. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm going to go back to what I know what to do, and that's to fish. And so if you guys do the addition there, seven of Jesus' disciples were commercial fishermen. Seven of Jesus' intimate crew that Jesus trusted him with the life-saving mission of preaching the gospel to all the nations, seven of them were fishermen. Now, I like to kind of maybe kind of imagine this a little bit. For whatever reason, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father have this conversation saying, hey, who is going to be the best people to help you out to spread the gospel? And for whatever reason, they chose commercial fishermen. Now, Maybe this is not hidden yet at home. This would be very similar if I went to Lake McConaughey. I stood at the dam where the rocks were. All the guys are fishing for walleye. And I said, hey, you guys, put down your poles. Forget the fish. We're going to go plant a church. Still not there yet? You guys kind of seeing who G I mean, these guys were, in my opinion, the last round of the draft pick. Like, if I were to plant a church right now, I would have not have picked fishermen. But for some reason, Jesus said, these guys are perfect. Mess and all. These guys are perfect to help us with our ministry. For whatever reason, seven out of the 12 disciples were from the commercial fishing industry. Why? I think it's because Jesus were going to use their skills for fishing for fish and turn it to fish for people. And believe it or not, church, it's the simple skills of fishing that we as Jesus followers at the Rock Church, we need to know in order to effectively reach people for Jesus. It's the same skills that these seven fishermen knew and the skills being the reason why Jesus called them in the first place. So let me give you some easy things. Fishing for people 101 this morning. I know it's going to be super practical. It's going to be super kind of surface-based. It's not going to have a lot of deep theology, which I think is okay sometimes. And I was going to let you know, because here's the fact. A lot of us, we don't even know the first steps on how to fish for people. And I want to teach you that this morning. So how do you fish for people? Fishing for people 101. First thing you need to do when fishing for people, bait your hook. 
I know we don't like worms. Some of us sticking the worm on that hook can be a little messy, a little gross. But in order to fish for people, you need to bait your hook. Can you imagine fishing and dropping your hook in the water with no bait and the guy's waiting for something to happen? What happens? Nothing. In fact, if you go out to Lake Maloney, you go in the inlet, and you have nothing on your hook, and you throw it out there with all the rest of the pros up there, you know what's going to happen? They're going to make a fun of you because you look like a fool. It's not good. you got to bait your hook. So what's the bait? Here's, here's, here's the bait. Here's the bait, church. It's super easy. You can get it anywhere. In fact, you can get it within yourself. It's any story of the goodness of God in your life. Any story of God's goodness in your life, that is the bait that you can use to fish for people. The bait is any story about God's goodness. The bait has proven to be the most successful way, in my experience, fishing for people. Any story of God's goodness. It, it could be the time where you got saved. It could be the time where God healed you of something. It could be the season where everything seemed to go wrong and be against you, but God came through. It could be the time where you were hurt or you were lost, but God did something in your life. Any story of God's goodness. And this, and this is why. This is why we have to be intentional with the stories that God puts in our life where God shows up and he, he makes uh, something beautiful out of the ashes in our life. This is why. Psalms 34, 8 says this. And if, Sorry if I'm talking really fast. I'm really excited about this. But this is, this is where this leads to. Psalms 34, 8 says this. says, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Good. Hebrews 6, 5 talks about a different thing. He, says, he talks about those who have tasted the goodness of God. Church, when you taste something... That's how you know it's real. You want to know how to be a real Christian? Be a good taste of God in your community. Be a good taste of God in your marriage. Be a good taste of God where you work. Be a good taste of God when you're at the softball game. Be a good taste of God when you're at the Cody Park Rise. Be a good taste of God wherever you are. Why? Because when you taste something, that's how you know it's real. In fact, if you want to learn the hard lesson of is if it's real, um, if you guys have been, how many of you guys have been to Starbucks? You guys go to Starbucks? I love Starbucks. I love coffee. In their little glass thing, they have their foods lined up, like the muffin, their croissant, and all this good stuff. For the longest time, for the longest time as a kid, I thought those were real. For those of you who think they're real still, that's actually a realistic plastic mold. And if you don't believe me, Go there, ask for the croissant behind the glass, and take a bite. It's not real. How do you know it's real? We actually taste a good piece of food. Just anything. Right now, I could describe to you a delicious birthday cake. But you know what would be even better? They each gave you a piece of birthday cake to taste, which I'm not going to do. I know. You guys were waiting for that. So how you know something is real? It's by the taste. When you taste something, you know it's real. Hear me, church. We are to taste and see the goodness of God. In other words, each and every one of us, you and I, we can experience God in this life right now at this moment. But not just us. Those people around us can experience and taste that God is good. How? Through you. You are the taste of God in your community. So which begs the question, what taste of God do you bring? 
Does it taste bitter? Sour? Stale? Or does it taste like joy, peace, goodness? We just got done learning the fruit of the Spirit. Remember that? That's, that, that's a taste of the fruit that people can have in your life. Even in fishing bait, I don't know if, how many fishermen we got in the room. Even in fishing bait, they have tastes that the fish love during different seasons. Did you know you can go out and you can buy a spray that you can put on a fishing lure and it'll, it'll taste like chicken blood? You can do that. It's super gross. Don't taste it. Don't do that. You can buy lures that, 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 uh, that taste like liver. You can buy different things that taste like different things for the fish to bite. Church, you have the taste of God. And it will allow you to fish effectively for people in your community. What taste of God do you bring? Church, everyone in the world, check this out, everyone in the world is looking for a taste of God. Scripture proves this, that when God created us, he put in us a desire to search this world for something greater. And there are millions of people tasting different baits out there. And if it tastes good enough, they swallow the bait and hook and all. But you, church, you have the taste of God. And it's our job to be out there with all the other baits out there and say, hey, would you taste something good right here? I was lost, but God found me. I was a horrible mess, but God transformed me. I lost my way, and Jesus restored me. The most effective bait you can use, fishing for people. It works better than any type of yelling or soapbox preaching or saying, you better do this or you're going to go to hell. Tell the story of God's goodness in your life. It is the best way. I have yet to hear anyone tell me, Vaughn, I need you to be quiet. I don't like hearing the good stories of God in your life. Even my atheist friends, they love hearing the miracles in my life. And every time you do that, it's just one little nibble that they're taking before they accept that this is good. This is the real stuff. Fishing 101, step one, bait your hook. Tell the story of God's goodness in your life. And here's the thing about God's goodness in your life. Your testimony, your story of God in your life, it's not about how bad you were. It's not. It's, it's about how good God is in your life. I, I, let me put, uh, put it this way. My wife and I, we have very different life stories. I had a very good Christian upbringing. Um, however, I kind of wandered, did my own thing, got addicted to different things, uh, did some really stupid things, and then God trans radically transformed my life right before we got married, and it was crazy and was awesome. My wife, however, raised in a good Christian home, and she wasn't addicted to nothing except for, like, bubble gum. I don't know. Um, she didn't have any. That was a joke, by the way. You can laugh at that. She did not have a bubble gum addiction, meaning that she was considered what you say maybe like a goody two-shoes growing up. And she did, and it blows my mind because I asked her, I'm like, did you have any desire to do the things that I did? She says, absolutely not. <laughs> like, no, like, am I dumb? She's like, 
I knew who I was and I don't need to try different things. And I'm like, man, like, 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 are you, are you like, that's just crazy to, in my mind. But let me tell you, she has done a far more bigger impact with her story than what my story was. I don't know how, I don't know how. But I share that to share this. Every one of you, you have a story of God's goodness in your life. And it's not about how bad you were. You don't have to be addicted to 50,000 different drugs and, and almost killed somebody, got out of jail after 50 years and all that. Like those stories are great. We celebrate those stories. But even those who've been raised up in a Christian household their entire life, you have the story of God's goodness that you have to share with the people around you. Do not forsake God's story in your life. So fishing for people 101, bait your hook. Number two, put your hook in the water. Like, just put your hook in the water. Like, you baited your hook, but your baited hook will not be effective until you drop it in the water. And there are a lot of us, we're walking around with baited hooks. Just drop it in the water. What do you mean? It means yet yeah, you need to tell your story. You have it, just tell it. What do you mean by that? Meaning that you don't need a platform like this to tell the story of God's goodness in your life. You need to tell the story of God's goodness in just normal, everyday conversations. You don't need to be a preacher. I mean, you're already talking about something, about someone or some event at the softball game. Why not just drop a hook of God in that? It's, easy. it's not weird. I mean, you could be weird about it, and then that would be really weird. But you could just be like, man, I heard you got laid off at the railroad. I know how that feels. Or like, man, you know what? There was one time where I thought I didn't know where my next paycheck was coming from. But let me tell you, like, Jesus pulled through. It's not weird. I've even done that with my neighbor's name. And one of the neighbors, I still don't know his actual name yet. He probably told me. I know everyone's names sometimes. But I'm still able to talk with him about Jesus. And it's not weird and it's not difficult. It's actually very life-giving. Right now, some of you are like, yeah, I can do that. But there's some of you like saying, you know, I'm not a talker. I'm an introvert. Which I understand. I'm an extrovert. My wife is a very big introvert. But God has given you each a platform in someone's life, in someone's life, to talk about the goodness of God. Again, I, I like bragging on my wife um, because she is so creative in how she talks about Jesus with someone. Um, you will not find her in the grocery store sparking up a conversation with a stranger. Um, I, on the other hand, will like to talk to all the strangers and make them my best friends um, and take them home with me and bring the church. It'll be good. Uh, but my wife, she uh, does not like strangers at all. Um, she doesn't like being hugged or shake hands, which she's a typical introvert. Any introverts in the room that are like, hey, hey, you guys are raising your hands. Good job. That's like really big for you. I understand that. <laughs> really big for you. Uh, but not picking on you guys. Um, my wife, we have um, uh, we, just miracle stories with our daughter with uh, asthma Down syndrome, um, just different other things in our life. I mean, and she, she blogs. Um, she talks about it on Facebook. Uh, she started a Facebook group for parents with special needs. All these different avenues where she is displaying the love of Christ. I say all that to say this. It doesn't matter if you're outgoing or not. It doesn't matter if you like talking to people or not. God has given you a place where you can drop your hook at. And all you got to do is just set your line. That's all you have to do. 
You don't have to be weird about it, but it could just be something as easy, you know, saying, God, I, I get what you're saying. Let me show you what Jesus did in my life. Church, you can't catch fish unless you put the hook in the water. Actually speak your story out. You need to speak about God's goodness in your life to win souls for Christ. Let me say that one more time. You need to speak about God's goodness to win souls for Christ. You cannot walk with Jesus passively and expect to win souls for Christ. Every encounter, every life change in Scripture was because someone opened their mouth and spoke the goodness of Jesus or Jesus himself spoke. Every one of them. And that is why I want to take just a little bit to talk about what you saw out in the foyer. We have uh, gone through, um, about every year we do something major at the church, and our church has grown tremendously, and it's fantastic what God is doing here at the Rock Church. We remodeled the kids' wing, and we have one, uh, in my, I'm a little biased, uh, we, I think we have like one of the best-looking kids' wings in the area, and we have the top-notch volunteers to effectively love and show that Jesus loves your children. They're down there working all the time. Will you just give it up for the Kids Rock really quick? Come on. And so we got that. Uh, what happened before the remodel, a lot of you guys are new, uh, we had our fellowship hall down there. Um, but right now, uh, what we're wanting to do is this whole empty wing right here, we're going to be wiping that out and creating a rock cafe. Now, what, why are we doing that? Because, I mean, every church likes to say they like to have a cafe. Um, the reason why we're doing this is because of this point right here, is we want to create and cultivate an atmosphere where no matter who comes through this door, you can have conversation with them. And that's why above there, you'll see kind of a little slogan. Uh, my wife kind of got in her prayers, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds really, really good. I think I can really, God can really do something with that, is that transformation does begin with conversation. Transformation begins with conversation about God's goodness. And we're going to create a space back there where you can come on Sunday mornings, and you can get some good coffee, some awesome donuts, and it's going to be a really great time. But more importantly, you can have a space where you can actually converse, because right now we're kind of standing, we're kind of in and out, but we want to create a space for that. And so what we're doing is we're looking for $10,000. We already got a couple grand saved up from the last project, which is really good. We'll kind of overflow that into this fund. Um, but you guys can look out there. And all I ask for you to do is just pray about it. A lot of you guys have given sacrificially. And as your pastor, I see that. I see that. I'm right there with you. And there might be a moment where God might say, write one more. And I'm not saying that to manipulate this, but I'm saying that because God has done that in my own life. There's some of us, maybe we haven't contributed in the last one, and right now you're feeling a little tugging saying you need to do something. You call the Rock Church your home, you need to do something. Because we want to create, we want to use this facility as much as we can. Let me tell you, this facility will be packed out in the next couple of years with multiple services. God is doing amazing things through this church. And we're going to be at a point where we want to start recording and telling God's goodness, the stories in your life. We have people that just came out of prison that come to church. We have people who came out of a rough background and they found the rock. We have people that have been out of church, got hurt by the church, but they come to this church because they love this family. I mean, this is God at work at the rock church. And so we're looking at cultivating an atmosphere, creating a place where you can have those stories. Uh, there are things that people are using this facility through the week 
We have Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts that are using this facility. We have things at the Department of Health and Human Services. I can't give much more information than that, where parents are trying to get reunited with their, like they are meeting here at this church. And we want to create a space where they can meet. And let me tell you, it might just be, it looks like just a little cute cafe, but I'm telling you the power of God can rest in these places. And I'm gonna stop there because I can keep rambling, 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 and I need to stop. But I want you to see what your part in that may be. So if you can do me a favor, just swing by and just see what that looks like. Every week we'll be filling up the glass container with coffee beans to let you know where we're at. And as soon as that is done, we'll start the construction debt-free. Amen? We'll start the construction debt-free. So that is what we're going to be doing. That's where transformation begins with conversation. And it's not just here. Take that to your workplace. Christians, can you start talking about Jesus? Just start talking about Jesus. So you bait your hook. You drop your hook in the water. Lastly, fish where the fish are. Fish where the fish are. I've been fishing for uh, a while now. I'm, I'm not the best fisherman. Um, we had a little thing on Facebook that says, will you kind of put out there, um, some of you amen that. Um, that really mean, that was mean. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we had a, a Facebook uh, thing that says, display, you know, a little bragging board, like put your fish up there. I posted mine, that was like my first summer here. I haven't caught a fish since. Now I remind you, I don't go fishing a lot of times either, all right? But uh, I've learned this thing. You need to know where the fish are. A lot of the boats are hooked up with these little sonar rigs where you can kind of puddle through the whole lake and you kind of see the little blips of like, oh, this is where the fish are. I can tell that's bass. I can tell that's walleye. I, can, I know by the season where the fish are going to be. Are they going to be in the deep or are they going to be in the shallows? In church, we can take that when we go fishing for people. You need to fish where the fish are. Don't pack up yet. Don't pack up because this is the most important point. We need to fish where the fish are. Majority of Christians, for some reason, only tell their story inside of the church. And it's great that we do that because we want to encourage one another, right? That's why we gather corporately. We want to encourage one another, bring joy to your life. We want to make sure that you leave here with a higher hope in Jesus. And so we share stories like this. But church, let me tell you, you're not going to catch any fish that haven't already been caught. If we just keep our stories here expecting to catch fish, it's very similar to this, like baiting your hook and dropping it in the live well of your bass boat, hook one, pull it up and says, I got one. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what a live well is, that's where you put your caught fish at. You have to actually put your hook out into the lake, out into the pond and fish for the fish that haven't been caught. If you only keep your story here, you're not going to catch the fish. If you never tell the story at the workplace or at the ball game, hear me, church. You tell stories anyways. Just tell one about how God was good in your life and be real about it. That's why this whole series is called Real. We don't want you to conjure up something or make something up. and, and or do, We just want you to just be real. I mean, that's what people want. Just, just be real. Just be real about it and know how to fish effectively. We all know the guy who says he knows how to fish but catches nothing, right? We've heard that guy. He's the big fisherman's tell. He says, I caught one this big, but I forgot to take a picture of it. No guy forgets to take a picture of a fish that's this big. He's lying to you. But we all know the guy. We all know the guy. He says, I, 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 I can fish. And you walk in his man cave, and he's got the fish pictures all along his wall. 
He's got the boat. Now, I will also say this. You don't need to have a nice bass boat to catch a fish, although that might work. Is that a good excuse to buy a bass boat? It's not. Don't use that. Don't, don't use that. But you know, we, we know the guy. He says, no, no, no. You, you need a fish with this, not with that. Use that type of line, not this one. Use this bait, not that bait. It's not going to work. It's too cold out. They're not going to bite. It's too warm out. You need to maybe go out deeper. We all know that guy. Let's be the people that know how to fish effectively. Church, in all seriousness here, we need to be relevant fishermen. We need to be relevant fishermen. We can talk a big game. We can all brag about how big the fish was. But until you actually learn how to fish effectively, that's how you know you'll be an effective Christian. Now back to scripture. I want to show you something interesting here. Every time Jesus called the group of fishermen, it states that they immediately responded to Jesus' calling. Now, we can ignore that and say that was just a word to describe how they left following Jesus, uh, and that's great, but it's not, it's not very important. Let me tell you, it is very important. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit inspired the authors to put that word in there immediately or right after. There's a reason why he said that. It's because I think we need to know the urgency of Jesus' calling in our life. We need to feel the urgency of winning people to Christ, just as the disciples, for some reason, felt the Holy Spirit's prompting that says, I don't have time to close up shop. I don't have time to organize my tackle and put it in storage. I don't have time to explain it to my dad while I'm leaving the boat and the whole fishing industry behind. I don't have time to do all this thing. But for some reason, when Jesus said, follow me, there's something in my spirit that says, I need to go right now. And I think as the Western church, we've become dull to that sense of urgency because we have it really good. Let me tell you, we live in a day and age, you don't believe me, just watch the news. There are things that are lining up right with scripture. I'm not gonna get all weird about it with the prophetic books, but they line up and Jesus is coming back soon and we don't have a lot of time. And so we need to do the things that God has called us to do immediately. We don't have time to give excuses. We don't have time to dilly-dally. We don't have time just to mess around or wait for someone else to do it. We don't have time to wait, say, oh, when God tells me when I'm ready, or we use that horrible scripture that's take out of context. This is my soapbox, by the way. Uh, where it says, you know, that God says, stop and wait to hear my voice. And he said to the Israelites, let me tell you, God never, ever, 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 ever said that in the Old Testament. That was Moses saying that. And God says, why are you waiting? You need to go right now. Church, we need to fish for people immediately. You're going to leave from this place, this building, and you're going to have people come across your life. And I'm telling you, don't wait to set the hook. Don't wait to bait the hook. Let me tell you what makes a really good fisherman. When you have all your stuff, tackle and everything organized, ready to go. So once you get out in the water, you can drop the hook and start fishing. Church, it's time that we need to start fishing for people. We can't wait. We can't wait on God. <laughs> God's already saying, you need to get up and get going. Jesus tells us that we have no promise of tomorrow. We don't, man, that comes a reality when we attend a funeral, doesn't it? We see your life gone and that thought pops in your mind saying, that's going to be you someday. I mean, I don't want to give you like, you know, like way to go, Vaughn. Now I'm kind of depressed. But life is short. 
especially compared to life and eternity. And we need to carry the sense of urgency as the first disciples did, that once we see the God-given opportunity to drop our hook in the water, we immediately do so. And my prayer is not that God will just give you an opportunity, because let me tell you, God has already set up ordained opportunities for you to share the gospel. They're already set up between now and the time you die. They're set up. He knows the exact moment. He's saying, do you know what, Vaughn? This is your time. Don't miss it. This is your moment. Don't forget it. Be intentional. You're not just going to Walmart. You're not just shopping. You're not just working. There's moments right here that God has put in your life for you to set your hook and tell the story of God's goodness with someone. So let's be the people that know how to fish, to bait the hook, to drop it in the water where the fish are, and we would do so with urgency. Can those people agree with me? Can you just please say amen? I know this is really kind of in your face right now, but let me tell you, there are a lot of, I mean, I just went to one of the most church places in the whole United States in Colorado Springs, and let me tell you, I still see a lot of broken people. We need to be a church that goes to the highways and byways and compel people to come into the Lord's house. We need people that have a place at our table ready and waiting for that guest that does not know Jesus to allow them and invite them into relationship with Jesus. There are too many people that don't know Jesus Christ and not enough time for us to waste our time here. So let's be on mission, church. Can we do that? Just try it. Try it once. And here's the deal. I'm not telling you to win someone to Christ every single day. I have yet to accomplish that. But let's focus on one person this year. Who is that? Here towards the end of uh, the sermon series, I'm going to give you a piece of paper. You can write that down. If you want to, you can give it to me, and I'm going to pray over those every single day. And I want to help you to reach and fish for that person. Because we want to be an effective church. I'll wrap up with this really quick. Actually, that's another soapbox thing. We'll wait till that next week. It'll be good. But let me end with this. There's, even in North Platte, there's a church on every block almost. But when you go out to your public places, there are so many fish out there. You can fish in the shallows for here. That'd be great. But even Jesus told disciples, says, you're not gonna catch, for your, catch fish right here. You need to go out to the deep. Cast your fish overboard. And that's the miracle. I think it was 130 something. I'm not very good at numbers that one. But even then, Jesus said, you need to go out there where those fish that haven't been caught, that's where you need to go. That's where you need to go. Tell a story of God's goodness. Let's pray, church.